0: I start talking about family, it just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's so heartfelt, right? It's, uh, I get emotional. I've been emotional all morning with that. I don't know why that is, except that family is very important to me. And I was raised with a very high sense of value on family. And I wanted to share some of that with you all uh, this summer. And usually when I'm organizing sermons and putting together those series, I, I really kind of break it up into different, you know, seasons. And after July 4th, I, I just kind of look at our community of our church and try to figure out what we're going through and what we're thinking about and where people are at. And I don't know, I, I came to Joseph in the end of Genesis. And I thought, let's talk about family. Let's talk about life together. Let's, let's figure that out a little bit and, 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 and walk through it. And for my maturing, it, it's different. The, the way I'm preaching these sermons today is different than what I would have done 25 years ago when we had our little babies. Um, older, wiser, dumber, more experienced little bit more broken and humble than I was as a young guy. And so I come at family um, instead of as a 32-year-old kid, I come at it as a 59-year-old man. And so I identify in the story a little bit less with the boys and a little bit more with Jacob, looking at how that works and how we live and breathe and, and, and how family morphs through the various pieces of generational stuff. And so we're going to work through some of that this summer. And, and I think, at, at least from me to you, I, you may not find a, a more heartfelt Bible-based sermon series that I've ever preached than you find in the next six or eight weeks. But I think of what goes on in families. And I I think of how much of the book of Genesis is connected to family conversation. You you start right away with with creation. And then Genesis 3, you have Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and that whole debacle. And then you get into Noah and his family and that debacle. And then immediately in Genesis chapter 12, you have Abraham. (laughs) And then from Abraham, Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis 50. And what's 50 less 12? Come on, there you go. Uh, 38. Good. I didn't, I never written down. Right? So of 50 chapters in the Bible, 38 of them are given to Abraham's family. Four or five to Adam and Eve's family, and two or three to Noah's family. You think God is telling us something in the book of Genesis about family and living together? There's three points I want to make in the message today. And in, in, in the, the first is that families have both function and dysfunction. Families have both function and dysfunction. Number two, God uses families as plan A and he doesn't have plan B. And number three, God's bigger plan, big P plan for his family was the redemption of the world. Families are full of function and dysfunction. Uh, God uses families as plan A, and there ain't no plan B, and God's bigger plan for His family was the redemption of the world. So, function and dysfunction, right? It, we, we, we begin to talk about family, we go into that. I mean, almost subconsciously, we go into what is the function and what is the dysfunction that I understand that I bring into, into my, my family. It's interesting to me that Jacob's sons led the children of Israel into Egypt. And they stayed in Egypt over 400 years. Think of that. 400 years. How's America? Right. They were 400 years at least. And they went from a little group of thus to probably a million people in those 400 years. And so, Moses comes down to, uh, God comes down to Moses in this burning bush, and he says, you have to go to the most powerful man in the world. And Moses, you know, says, well, okay, who sent me? And he said, you know, he he didn't say, well, I will give you a letter embroiled and and stamped with the, I will give you a tattoo of a cross. He didn't, he said, you tell those people, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's who sent you, the family God, the God of the family, the God of the patriarchs, the the God who is with you through those 400 years of slavery, the God who has not forgotten you, the God who has heard you, the God who has been with you for this whole time, the God who is making the babies so incredibly robust that their mortality rate is almost zero, and building a nation here under Pharaoh's rule. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the family of God, that's who sent me to you, God said. And Moses said to Pharaoh, function and dysfunction. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children, so they had no one to give their inheritance to, and they had a lot of money. So Sarah says to Abraham, well, Hagar, my servant, she's kind of cute. What do you think about her? And she said, why don't you have a baby with her? And it'll all work out, and then we'll give that one our money, and we'll be fine. And God said, no, no, no. God said, I'm going to come to you, and, and Sarah's going to have a baby, and, and this is how it's going to work. <laughs> and Jacob and, and Abraham and Sarah had their own idea. Not good. Not God's plan. Dysfunction and brokenness and separation in that family from that moment on. And then Abraham's son Isaac and his wife Rebekah, they had two boys, twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Esau was tough, Jacob was kind of a wimp, but the dad liked the tougher kid and the mom liked the weaker kid. And then that played a big mess in their family. So much so that the Bible tells us that Jacob became one nation, the nation of Israel, and Esau became the nation of Edom. And then finally, the dysfunction in Jacob's own family, that Jacob played favorites. He married Leah first, and Leah was a baby-making machine. Every time he walked by the tent, Leah was pregnant. But he really loved Rachel. And Rachel couldn't get pregnant as easy as Leah But the two boys that she bore him, Joseph and Benjamin, were his favorites again. And where do you think Jacob learned to play favorites? Maybe from his old man and his mama, Isaac and Rebecca. Jacob is sneaky and underhanded. He passes that off to his boys. His boys next week will find, sell Joseph, their brother, off to, to slavery. And they think they get away with it. And now the whole Jacob family and that whole generation of those brothers has this enormous pile of guilt, generational guilt, that they've got to deal with, that, that Joseph uses later in the story to kind of twist them and hurt them. Function and dysfunction. I think of the dysfunction that I bring. My family's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Both of my grandpas are alcoholics. My one, the meanest alcoholic you've ever seen, went by the name Pastor Klinkenberg. Once threw an elder out the back of the church. My other grandpa, affable, Wisconsin, Green Bay Packer-loving, drink 20 beers during the game and smoke 200 cigarettes guy. Nicest guy in the world. That's part of the dysfunction of my family. And each one of us has that to a varying extent. And when we begin to talk about family, we go into that, right? But the function of family is as beautiful as the dysfunction is painful. The function of families is to be fruitful and multiply, the Lord said to our grandest grandfather, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. The Lord said, subdue the earth and fill it and do it in and through your family, husbands and wives together, loving and raising children together, aunts and uncles and cousins and grandmas and grandpas and all of those connected to bring love and companionship and connection to human beings instead of human beings just being free electrons. God looked at Adam in the garden and said, it's not good to be alone. you got to have somebody else. I'm going to give Eve, and then you're going to make babies like crazy. Okay. That's the plan. That you would be deeply and dearly loved in your family and deeply and dearly connected to those who you share love and DNA And it's our responsibility to handle the function of of loving each other under the umbrella of the love of God. So that our love is not self-serving, but rather self-sacrificing for each other. All lessons that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the boys would learn through the course of time. Function and dysfunction. I get that. And so do you. The function of families is to exercise love and connection and to care. I'm privileged to know so many dads in our church. And I'm glad I was born and had my kids when I did because you know what? It was easier than I think. You guys got to work so hard. I watched my own son and daughter-in-law. How hard they have to work to put a roof over their head to, to, to kind of carve out their lives. And I go back to when I was that similar age, a, a young man. I remember when the minimum wage went from 285 to 310 an hour, and I thought I hung the moon. I remember when my father said, I can't believe that gas is 50 cents a gallon. And I can't get any more than two gallons of gas for a dollar. I thought, oh my gosh. I go to fill up the little gallon thing for my lawnmower, and it's $6 for a gallon of gas. Right. Function and dysfunction. Our families, the best thing going today. God's love for us in our families. And then the second point, God uses families as plan A and he doesn't have a plan B. We are it. Your family is it. Our church family gathered today of which you are a part. We are plan A and there isn't plan B. God isn't going to to, to bring in a new race of people and say, you know, I've been cultivating this race in a laboratory in Utah. God's not landing ships of aliens and saying, you know what? You people on earth screwed this whole thing up, so I'm going to bring in and fly in my ringers from wherever and here we go. No, God's working in and through our families right now. My family loves to tell stories. This last week, my nephew had his birthday. He was born on July 4th. And my brother started telling stories. And I was cringe. Like, oh, no. He never gets it right. He always forgets the details. He always screws it up. But he does it for a, a piece of entertainment more than a piece of factual bringing the family history down. So everyone's laughing and everyone's into it. We talked about vacations and family and screwing around and all of those things. But we didn't talk about moments of crisis. We don't have a lot of pictures in our family albums, even in our hearts maybe, of things that were very, very difficult. We have lots of pictures of vacations and baptisms and confirmations and graduations and weddings and all of the great things of of family, but we don't necessarily have a lot of pictures of our broken pieces. Here's my point. God uses us in our families through good and celebrative times, and we love that part of God's plan. But it's in the difficult time that God refines us and shapes us and makes us strong and resilient, preparing us for future challenges. It seems that the book of Genesis is kind of the the, the backwards of, of the way my family does that. We see all the underside of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob We see Abraham and Sarah dealing with infertility and trying to find a way to make it happen. We see Isaac and Rebecca playing favorites. We see Jacob's own messy journey all there for millennia for us to see. And yet God was working. In Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In their family, and extended family. So much so that when God came to Moses, as I said earlier, He said, who should I say sent me? Well, you say the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. That God still remembers us? From 400 years ago? Yes. That's the God of our family. That's the God who protected us here. That was the God of plan A. Molding and shaping people to know and love God in their struggles. The story of Jacob is a story of resiliency, which is interesting, right? Jacob starts out as kind of a wimp. I don't know if he was skinny and Esau was robust. I don't know how that worked. But evidently, right, Esau was tough. Esau was, I'm Esau, how you doing, right? Jacob was, hi, I'm Jacob. And I wonder about that. And yet, and yet in the middle, the middle stretch of Jacob's life, it's recorded in the back half of Genesis that he wrestles with God in a tr- under a tree in Bethel, Bethel, house of the Most High. And he wrestles with God all night. And it doesn't seem in that story that it's a, a mental wrestling or a psychological thing. Rather, it's this, this physical thing. And Jacob must have gotten a lot stronger from his youth. Because the name that he is given after that wrestling match is Israel, meaning you have struggled with God and won. Something happened to Jacob living in his family that going from kind of a wimpy kid to someone who could wrestle with God and and win, the one who would be the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus of Nazareth, God used Jacob. And after that wrestling match, Jacob walked with a limp because God in that wrestling match displaced his hip. And I'm reminded that many of us who have wrestled with God walk with that limp and give thanks to God that we have overcome the struggle, that we have matured and grown through the challenges and struggles of our lives. Our families are God's plan A. Ask Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when you get to heaven. And there's not a plan B. We are in it together till the end. And so then that bigger plan, what is God working on? The the, the third piece of, of this message, God's bigger plan, His big P plan is working its way out. And here's the big P plan from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. God's plan was to use that family to redeem all families. And then if you jet ahead to Matthew chapter 1, These words. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God was relentless in that. God did not quit. God did not look at all those horrible kings in the back part of 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings and say, I quit. This stinks. Rather, God said, no, no. I'm in. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I am relentlessly moving. In functional times, we're moving. We got it going. It's going faster. In dysfunctional times, it's more difficult, but I'm, I'm moving. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are going to give way to David and Solomon, are going to give way to Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And God is preserving the, the, the person of the covenant, right? I will bless all nations through you. Abraham nodded and said, I, I got you, the Messiah. Isaac nodded and said, That's right, I need more kids. I got to get a Messiah here. And it was the son of Jacob that would take on the line that would be Jesus. God's big P plan is the redemption of of the world. And He used a family, sometimes functionally, and sometimes the family being dysfunctional. God used the families to bring forth Jesus the Christ, Jesus the brother of us all. And I love that, right? Jesus is our brother. And He comes to us to bring peace, to speak a word of grace to us in our homes and families, From the ups and downs of his family, finally the virgin conceived and bore a son, and she named him Jesus. And that Jesus would redeem his family from sin and death. Jesus would become the focal point for the family. In his ministry, he would heal the sick. He would find community for the lonely. In his ministry, he would teach, and and he would lead people along. He would show humanity in its best and worst. He would come and bring healing to a broken world and show His family the gracious face of God Himself. Nothing ever took God away from redeeming the world through Jesus. And so we are heirs of the redemption of Jesus means that Jesus of Nazareth, who lived in a family, is our brother and calls us into the family of the Father. Jesus, our brother, went through all things of this life, functional and dysfunctional, to give us peace with God and one another. And so God beholds us as members of His family in grace and calls us to do the same. Calls us to love and to connect to one another with a self-sacrificing love and to exercise mercy and grace one to another because our families are plan A and there ain't no plan B. But our brother Jesus, our brother Jesus, he is with us to the end. I'd invite you to pray with me um, again, I, I'm not sure what talking about family brings up to your heart, um, but I'd sure like to pray for us and ask God to bless us. Lord Jesus Christ, whenever we begin to talk about family, for many, many of us we go back to where we were and where we came from. Some of that's very painful we have to kind of reckon the dysfunction that brought us to where we're at today. and and then engage in the functional part of our families as well. We ask your hand of blessing upon all those who are rummaging around in the back closets of their heart right now. Let the light of your grace, let the light of your love, let the, the light of the redemption of Jesus our brother shine on the heart of, of, of those painful things and grant healing and peace. Thank you that we get to gather so strong today with fine music and, and with a word and promise of God that brings hope and and. and, and just strength, resiliency to each and every one of us. Bless us in our homes and families and keep us strong and together in you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.